On this episode of the Unconventional Podcast, I sit down with Comrade Sanders, the CEO of The Creative Copywriter, one of the most forward-thinking copywriting agencies I've ever seen. During the time that I've known Comrade, I've learned so much about the art of creative copy and how to turn audiences into buyers. But the main reason I invited Comrade on was because of his adult-diagnosed ADHD. This was a hugely eye-opening episode, something that massively resonated with me as someone going through his own journey with ADHD. For anyone struggling with their own mindset and their own thought process and behaviours, this is an episode not to be missed. I hope you get as much from this as I did. Hello, how are you? Yes, good. Good, thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, not bad, not bad. A few, few little glitches there, but we got there. Nice hat, by the way. I thought I'd switch it up today. Well, do you know what? I've actually got a Christmas jumper on, but it's so cold in my office that I've had to keep my hoodie on. But do you know what? I'm going to rock it. I'm going to oh, take this go. off. That's an amazing one. That's a good one. You know, I, um, I bought about six vintage jumpers, vintage Christmas jumpers recently. Far too many. And then I realised, you know, it was November and I couldn't really bust them, like maybe towards the end of November. Um, just far too many. Well, yeah. why do you need six? But there you go. I just saw them. They all look great. I ordered them all. I think it was probably an impulse buy. Uh, <laughs> and there you go. Are you, um, are you an Only Fools and Horses fan? I am, yeah. I haven't watched it in years but yeah grew up grew up watching it so i um i i saw um a christmas jumper with the with the three-wheel van on um and it said this time this time next christmas we'll be millionaires or something like that and i had to have it i had to have it so that is my christmas jumper for like we always wear christmas jumpers on christmas eve in this family yeah um so that's my christmas eve jumper but uh yeah, I'm, I like I'm there, mate. I'm wedged, there. I like how they wedged the word Christmas into that yeah. um, to make it Christmassy. Yeah. <laughs> I went into um, uh, Home Bargains and they had a, a Christmas jumper that had Home Bargains all over it, which is obviously a bit of a joke. Yeah. Um, and I almost bought it just just for a laugh. But I thought, I can't do what you did and just keep buying Christmas jumpers all the time. I like I can't end up with six Christmas I mean, you jumpers. Need one, basically, don't you? Like, yeah. Probably just one. We do uh, need one. I've definitely got far too many. But I'm now <laughs> I'm suddenly thinking TCC Christmas jumpers. That's on the mind. Because, hey. you know, we've got green as the brand colour. That's that's Christmassy. Um, I, I will enforce that one year. I'll get budget approved by Nissan. I'll start working on that now. And I'll just say it's part of, like, the brand harder thing. You know, it's, it's, it's important. You've got very. to trust me. It's a very key branding decision that only I understand. Well... By this time next year, you'll be a god on LinkedIn as well. So, like, it'll be you'll be able to just hammer it home, and everyone will know. Exactly, and I, yeah, I genuinely believe in like just pushing the boat, pushing the envelope, in and branding harder, as I say, and just going completely overboard and that. Yeah. I've already got these um, uh, Nike Air Force ones planned because you can design your own, and but in TCC colours, and I found a place where you can do, you know, like. Uh, stickers for like you know trainers and things like that to have the logo on so 
that's in the pipeline. I just need to get yeah. approval for budget. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure I can get them for me, but if if, if the rest of the team uh, wants some, then it approval will, from it the wife cost a bit. Yeah. yeah, the wife who is who is the controls the money, who holds the purse strings. Yeah, um, both personally and in within the business as well. <laughs> um, mate, thank you for coming on today. Uh, obviously, the the nature of the unconventional podcast is to it's an inclusive conversation really and the reason that you were uh, a desired guest of mine was because of your recently diagnosed ADHD Um, but obviously there's a huge story previous to that because obviously you're an adult diagnosed ADHD and lots of people that have come on the podcast have been in that situation where they've talked about all the years leading up to that and and the experiences they've had and and kind of I guess decisions that they made that kind of didn't make sense at the time, but now absolutely make sense. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to build a bit of a, a picture of Conrad and, you know, what's driven you to where you are now, the, the current success that you, you're having and, and obviously the TCC brand. But kind of to do that, I want to take you back a little bit. Well, I say a little bit, a little bit more than a little bit. Um, to to those... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I will say is I'm, that I'm, I'm only 19. <laughs> <laughs> I already know that's a lie. Like, I already know that's a lie. Um, take you back to those early experiences as early as you can remember, because I know that when I look back to say my school days, there were lots of things that happened in those early days that I now look at on with my own journey. I look at my son, obviously who's autistic, and I think to myself, that's really starting to make sense why I did those things. So take us back to those early memories and, and talk talk us through a little bit of, of you in those school years and what you were like as a as a child and a teen. Yeah. So not long ago. <laughs> several years back, <laughs> I was a child. Um I, I I guess my memory of childhood and early teens is pretty atrocious. I suppose that's one of the the traits of having ADHD. I have a terrible memory and it, I don't know if it's worse than others because I can't kind of put myself in inside the head of other people. But I know it's definitely worse than, um, well, I say that. I mean, most people have a much better memory than me. But like just to try and put myself in the shoes of me aged eight or 10 or 13 is very difficult. It's like, it feels like a different world. It doesn't Mm. feel like I can think back to that time. There's just like little glimpses of things, um, of of memories. Um, And I guess maybe one of the reasons why I wasn't diagnosed. And and again, I don't know. I don't know if I was reading today actually about um, some scientists saying that there's like potential for late onset ADHD and potentially kind of developing it at a later age. Um, again, I don't know because all I know is that I was diagnosed about two years ago. As a child, I did well in school. So I, I got good grades at, at school and uni and um, I was great. I was good at cramming. So like under pressure, I'm good at, at, at work. I can kind of focus under pressure. It's almost like superpower in a way because when other people sort of lose their shit under pressure I kind of get this 
calm feeling of and this is like the kind of thing where I should not be feeling calm at all you know I'm just about to give a talk or or do a pitch really important pitch and I'm literally got five minutes to kind of put together to finalize something that should have been finished you know a day before but I'm in this extreme calm I almost enjoy that pressure weirdly mm. um so I think regarding exams and things like that I would leave things very late um and and essays last minute but be very good at cramming and I guess not to blow my own trumpet but I suppose I was I was quite smart so I knew what was needed and sometimes knew how to cut corners and mm -hmm. I'll talk about uni in a second because that's basically what I did at uni was cut corners and get the sort of result I needed but not really by following the process that is encouraged um so at school all I remember is that you know I did well I was creative like uh, you know art was my favorite subject English a language so writing stories um so it's definitely more on the creative side those were my stronger subjects uh but I was a troublemaker yeah I was I was always getting into trouble I was part of the de Friday detention club you know and Saturday <laughs> detention that's four hours I got two Saturday detentions on on one day so it's like eight hour shift on a Saturday back when you have to wear a school uniform you know and like go back home on the train wearing a school uniform on a Saturday which is embarrassing and and in southeast London as well it's like it could be a little bit risky as well you know? <laughs> um so I was always getting into trouble and it's funny because I talk to my mates now I've got a few mates from my uh, I went to two different secondary schools but the first secondary school so from age 10 I've got a few very close mates who have lasted since that time not so long ago as I mentioned um and to kind of retroactively we we went we went um on a little holiday together recently and my wife Nitzam was kind of were talking to them about we talk we reminisced a lot about school, the school years and and she was going oh yeah that's that sounds like undiagnosed ADHD to me and my mates are just like well no he was just a little shit you know <laughs> he was just a shit no I'm not taking it it's not that you were just a little shit and it you know, it's hard to go. I'm not. It's it's interesting when you use. And I found I found something quite interesting recently. I don't know if I read it or someone said it. You know, ADHD isn't an excuse; it's an explanation. Mm -hmm. So, and I I find that quite important these days to say that because it's not about now that I've got my diagnosis. It's not about going. Oh, fine. All right. Look. Well, I can do whatever I want, and I can screw anything up. And you know. It, 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 I shouldn't be blamed because I've got ADHD. So you know, you should respect my neurodiversity, and it's an explanation. I should, I, sh I should still do everything I can not to screw things up, right? Because that's what's really important. That's why I went to get a diagnosis for that reason, um, because I wanted to, you know, I was able to get medication. I was able to understand it better. I was able to kind of get coaching, therapy, things like that, in order not to screw things up. Um, so. I'm going off a tan on a tangent there, which is likely to happen in this in this <laughs> session. But that's a childhood. Yeah, I you know, teenagehood. Then when I got to kind of 15, 16, which is when you become your know, proper teenager, yeah, I was up to mischief and not going into I went to another school and it was much easier just to doss around and I wouldn't go to I'd go into school and hang out by the bus stop, um, smoke cigarettes and not go into class hardly ever but then I guess I was still 
annoying in the fact that like when it came to the exams and stuff I would knuckle down right at the end and do and do well and it did piss off other it pissed off my mates it pissed off people when it's like you don't do any work and you know you screw around and then uh, I was able to do do quite well um when you sp- um sorry mate when you um work because I think what's really interesting there especially for myself who's got two young children one of them loves school the other one hates it and what I think would be interesting for people to hear is when you say certainly when you were younger you were getting into a lot of trouble so academically you were smart you had it there very creative and actually our guest last week um, Leah Turner she said exactly the same thing she was and she's been late diagnosed in her late 30s actually and um, she said exactly the same thing around creative art and yeah. writ- written word. And it's just so happens that both of you have gone into copywriting in one form or another. But what was it that you were actually doing as a child that was classed as naughty? What were the things? Well, when it was sort of earlier teens, it was just messing around in, in class, like trying to be the the joker the practical joker the joker of the class like just trying to make people laugh not paying attention to what was going on in the class um talking all the time and that that was mainly it like I wasn't um I wasn't a bad boy I was just a kind of mischievous sort of uh talker really and and not paying attention and yeah wanting my own attention I guess yeah yeah Um, do you put that down to uh, because that to me sounds like quite a a typical ADHD trait um just not being able to focus on what's actually in front of you and kind of almost just going off into your own world does that is that kind of what it is I think yeah I guess so I guess so. again it's hard for me to connect that closely to those days just because I can't remember them that well but I uh, it could quite unless I got what they call late onset ADHD then you know there there were definitely Mm. traits there it's not that you know looking back to those days it's a it's not a complete surprise it's not that oh you know wow you know that that wasn't you at all and I was losing stuff as well you know I was known for kind of losing stuff back then and throughout my adult life as well um (laughs) you know and 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 definitely some of my friends recently who've known me since like let's say 15 16 that age I well kind of when I went to my um second school uh second secondary school you know they they you know I've obviously just told a few of them recently and and they they're kind of looking back and going oh yeah that sort of makes sense you know we, we just thought you didn't care you know about like just going out and losing my jacket jacket like it happened yeah. all the time um and you know sometimes when drinking I mean often when drinking but um prior to that before I was drinking you know it was just going out my parents would like tell my friend would tell my friends um that you know make sure comrade brings his jacket back like that's what they would say this is from like <laughs> this specific things I remember going to like have you know McDonald's with my friends when we we're 13 you know you go go to play Quasar and go to McDonald's in Bromley as your sort of day out and they would be told by my parents make sure and then I would leave without the coat and it would be a big <laughs> joke um, and that and now like 20 years later 25 years later like that's the reality I know you thought I was 19 but it was all a facade <laughs> what a shocker um, I'm literally yeah, exactly. blown away by that <laughs> yeah um 
so now I can retrospectively kind of attribute that to things that I've discovered and, and understand a bit more about ADHD. Um, one of those being, you know, working memory, um, lack of working memory. And that is something that I, you know, when I learned about it, had never heard the term, but when I was diagnosed and read a bit more about ADHD and they said, well, working memory is something that often sufferers of ADHD kind of suffer or don't really have much of. I'm not sure if that's the medical way of putting it. Um, that like, I completely relate to that because working memory essentially being the kind of thing that people just seem to have. You know, you go down into another room to get something, you come back with that thing. You're not thinking about that thing, right? You, but most people are going and thinking about other stuff, but they come back with that thing because there's working memory kind of working in the background to do the thing that you set out to do. That's the thing that I don't have. And when I'm, you know, especially when I'm sort of not on my medication and, and, and some of this comes back a bit more potently, um, yeah, it's very typical for me to just go downstairs to go for some, come back with something else. Nitsan goes, did you get the thing? Oh no, and it can happen again <laughs> because my mind wanders. I see something else um, and something, some other stimulant that, that takes my attention and you know, I, I, and I, it kind of takes all my attention. And, I, and I, again, another thing I read recently was this misconception that people with ADHD or, or ADD, I, I know we don't call it ADD anymore. Sometimes I like to call it ADD because I think that I, I don't have as much of the H as other people I know. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't go to get checked out in my adult life, even though Nitsan kind of nudged me from a while back. I just I knew people that were way more hyper, so I thought, oh, I'm not like them, so I probably don't have this. Um, but right, train of thought. Um, where was I? So going into a room, grabbing something, uh, working memory. This is this is uh, ironically and fittingly where um, I just distracted myself. ADD and ADHD, and then you went off to say I'm more ADD because I haven't got the H. Yeah, oh, that's because I went on a tangent. That was exactly the point. Oh, right, okay. I'm going back <laughs> to Luke. So, um, it, I read somewhere that it's not that, it's almost like a misconception that we have a lack of attention. It's actually that we have so much attention, like we put attention onto everything. So it's kind of, we don't have selective attention in a way. It's like, oh, there's something over there. I'm just going to think about that, right? Like, and that's where, you know, for me, anything that's looking at, like we use Monday um, in the agency now, like for a pricing board and things like that. It's really hard for me to operate because there's all these line items, you know, spreadsheets um, to to do the thing I'm supposed to be doing is very hard. Even like, you know, and I'm sure it's hard for lots of people, but emails as well. If I'm not clearing my email and they're all there, Oh, oh, it's, it's such a, a loop for me to just go, oh, let me just scroll down for a second just to check, double check that I haven't missed anything. But I'm looking at all this stuff and something will take my attention and mm. it will go, mm. oh, well, let me just click in there again. And then I'm again, I'm down a rabbit hole. So it's it's having all these different things to actually take your full attention rather yeah. than lack of attention. It's more just attention spread everywhere and then going down uh, and, the, you know, be focusing on the wrong thing essentially mm -hmm. and not having that working memory that's just kind of working mm -hmm. in the background um 
making you do the things that you just should be doing at that time. So back to your initial question, which was sort of childhood, teenage years. Um, yeah, that's something I can very much relate to, yeah. the sort of losing things, not not doing the right thing in the right moment. Um, and yeah, getting into trouble through lack of attention at school. You mentioned something earlier about um, your mates just thought that you were just a little shit. Mm. Oh, no, there's definitely nothing wrong with him. He's just a little shit. He doesn't care. He just leaves things on the bus or he leaves things, doesn't remember. And and I I see that, actually, because where my wife works in the school, that was potentially a misjudgment of your of yourself of, of, from your friends on you in terms of what goes through your mind. Because actually, I can guarantee you probably did care. But as you've just explained, that attention was just in so many different places at once. You, you just yeah. couldn't focus on that one thing you needed to do, which was not leave your coat somewhere. And I yeah. do, I, I question even now, all these not that many years on, um, <laughs> only a few, yeah. whether there's still that misconception of whenever a child displays anything other than what we would call normal behaviour, there's still a bit of a, yeah, they're just a little shit. Um, most probably, yeah. I think back to that specific comment, um, I'll separate me being naughty in school from me losing things, because I think losing things and, and leaving things behind, yeah, that's that's literally just because I don't have the working memories, not because I don't care about that, uh, about keeping that item. Um, I do as much as the next person, but it, it's it's just hard for me to to, to to not let that slip through the cracks. Kind of being naughty in a class, you know, when my friends say that, I kind of think, you know, maybe the two things aren't mutually exclusive, right? Maybe I had ADHD and I was a little shit, you know, like it's part of my personality. And then, and again, that comes back to the excuse or explanation. It's more of an explanation. It's part of it, but maybe I was kind of a bit of a, a little shit and I kind of enjoyed doing that as well. So it's, you, do you see what I mean? They're very much intertwined. Yeah. Um, but, but back to your point, yeah, I think that one of the things that I've struggled with in, in, in adult life, which is where has driven me to my diagnosis, um, is, is basically feeling like I'm a selfish person. That was something I felt for many years. Like I had, you know, the, the ADHD definitely affected my relationship with Nitsan. Um, she was driven, and I know this is very common in, in couples where one person has ADHD. Um, she was driven, and she's kind of got OCD, OCD tendencies anyway, so it's we've got very different brains, very different minds, but she was driven even more to be that kind of person that had to be responsible for everything, that had to do everything, the organiser of, um, of our lives. Um, naturally, that causes tension, and there were just a lot of you know blow ups over the years where I couldn't explain why I did or didn't do something that was just I knew logically I understood rationally that it was a crucial thing to do you know something like go take your get the passport photocopied etc something we need to go on holiday like something really important for us to just do regular life things and sometimes very important things um, with deadlines etc and I just retroactively, I, I, you know, looking back, I just couldn't explain 
why I didn't do it mm-hmm. because and it came across as not caring and that's the way the Nitsan naturally felt in those times you don't, like you don't care and and I was just telling myself at that point I, was like, I can't explain it I must just be selfish I must mm-hmm. be inherently naturally selfish because yeah. otherwise why would I have why wouldn't I have done that thing like I, I obviously just wanted to do whatever was you know I felt like doing in the time so getting my diagnosis was was a big relief in that sense mm. because of just I was telling myself this narrative this whole time that I, mm. I'm just selfish and that's it there's not what can I do about that being a selfish person but then also feeling like I'm not always selfish like I do have empathy I do care about things so there's no explanation and then I got that explanation and that mm. was that was very relieving mm. um so yeah back to like how children with ADHD are labeled then yeah I think that can probably negatively mm. affect them and they they're kind of again it's it's there is an explanation for it and in some cases it's something that they find very difficult if not impossible to do or not to do mm. um and others who don't have that understanding of neurodiversity of, of ADHD um, would would interpret it in a different way. Would think they don't care, they're a little shit, or they're selfish, or um, they're not smart, um, etc. You raised a point earlier um, about being selfish, and potentially because of certain actions other people thinking that and 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 Nissan that relationship or that period that you went through sounds a lot like what Lynn's and I go through fairly regularly with certain things where she's one of those people that's kind of always putting other people before herself and I actually say to her you don't think about yourself enough Mm. and then she I'm on the other end of the spectrum not on purpose but but I tend to have all these things running from my mind all of the time, which are probably me focused. And she will think that I'm really, really selfish. Yeah. And I look back at it and I think I, I I genuinely haven't deliberately gone out to think of all that stuff first, because like you said, there are lots of times when I do so much for her and the boys. Mm. But I think that really resonates with me. And actually, we've had a few people on the podcast with ADHD that have said exactly the same thing. And the diagnosis, one of the biggest things for them was it made them realize I'm not just a selfish fucker. Yeah. Actually, there's yeah. a reason. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And like, as you said, it is, it wasn't just a period. It is regular. It's still continuing, right? Like we haven't cracked that nut. Like literally went to Madeira two weeks ago and I've been trying to take more on from an organizational perspective understanding that it's important for our relationship for the balance um and so i said i'll you know i'll, I'll take i'm the one that's driving so i'll take care i'll book the rental car i'll take care of flights things like let me do that right i can do it I, and she's just so much better at doing these things naturally but like otherwise she, she will just feel like all the responsibility all the weights on her which it has been throughout our lives and I kind of like, I really tried. I got a folder together. I got all the documents, you know, um, everything into a folder. Like I was like, think, what wouldn't it sound do? You know, create a folder, uh, save the emails, you know, um, got the insurance, everything, put it all there. And then like the morning that we're leaving to the airport, 
we literally left we the door was open we're at leave Nitsan said do you have the credit card you've got the credit card right which she had to order she got got a credit card so that we could you know to get a rental car you need one and I was like oh no I thought I thought you had it I thought you took it off me and you know it just it wasn't on my list of things and then my brain just doesn't think of it it doesn't in that time leading up to I don't have some people just they think of the right things to do you know it comes to them they feel the importance of it right they the sense of importance um, and urgency and you know sometimes it's driven by anxiety with some people I think especially on on on, on its and sort of personality type it's like a a bit of anxiety driven like I have to get this 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 and this done and I'm the opposite I'm like oh everything's fine everything's okay it's all good what am I doing right now la di da di da you know and you know thinking everything's good and then no we didn't have the card because I mislaid it somewhere and like that turned into naturally a a difficult morning a very difficult morning um so and then it it relationship wise it kind of takes us back a notch it like puts her back into this I can't trust you to do these things kind of thing and and I, I think there's probably a lot of couples in that can relate they're in this sort of situation and mm. yeah it's 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 tough because I really care. I really don't want that to happen. Mm. Um, and I want to show that I can do organisational things like that. But it's just not having that working memory where, you know, um, and, and there are hacks and, you know, it's just right now I'm actually about ne- off the back of that. <laughs> I um, have I've found an ADHD coach uh, that I'm going to be oh, speaking wow. to for the first time next week. Because I realised, and this is um, this is me being bearing everything, right? Being completely open, honest, transparent about everything. You know, I realised that one of the things that got me really frustrated about that situation and others that are similar to it is that Nitsan and I run a successful agency together, right? Where whereby we play to our strengths. We're both very, very good at what we do. We have a great team. We've built this thing. We've Because we've built processes and structures, you know, so many, everything. And I'm very process-driven within the agency because I know how important it is. And I've, sure, I've slipped up along the way, right? But then we have a process for whenever there's a slip-up, you address it in our uh, level 10 meeting every two weeks. So it goes into a, a, um, a table where we go, what was the mistake? What was the slip-up? How can we how would we preempt that next time how do we work that into the process who's taking care of that two weeks later it's solved so we've got this lean management approach to business which is really really important and really works well but then when it comes to personal life I'm like but I don't I just don't have that and and I was kind of thinking but what how can we do so work so well together Mm. within the agency growing a business but not Mm. be able to apply that Surely it's the same. It's all about problems and solutions. You know, that's what things are about in a way. But um, but then I guess for me to have like a meeting with Nitsan, if she just doesn't want to do that, it's not like, let's have a meeting. And, you know, you just kind of don't do that in your personal life. That's mm-hmm. what, And that's when I came to the conclusion, oh, hang on, why don't I have a meeting with someone else? You know, weekly meeting with an ADHD coach. Um, almost like I, we have a production meeting every week at work. We have a, a marketing and sales meeting. You know, we have our, our our kind of midday meetings. Just structure and process, and someone there that can you know hold me accountable, that can kind of give me reminders. We can look forward. What's coming up? 
what needs to be plotted into my calendar, my personal calendar, and just treat it a bit more like like business, like work mm. life. Mm. As much as I don't, I would love to not be have to, would love to not have to do that. I'd love to just roam free and everything work well because that's I'm a free spirit, right? That's how I, that's what I like to do. Um, the reality is that doesn't work for me, and it doesn't really work for our relationship very well. And mm. things happen, and as I might have great great intentions, but oh, it will happen again and again. So that's that's kind of a a, a solution that I've and a conclusion that I've arrived at um, that maybe others can kind of learn from potentially. Do you find actually that because you mentioned then it's and it's generally the organizer. She's super you know, great at it. She kind of, and when you go on holiday, you gave the example of obviously you wanted the, to do the credit card because you felt it was unfair for it always to be on her shoulders. Yeah. But I think because she's so good at it in both personal life and business life, can that be quite intimidating? Uh, 100%. Yeah, it definitely can. And it's almost sometimes we, we, we work we're so good together in, in many ways. Um, but sometimes like that disparity there is almost unfortunate. It's almost, I don't know if it's unfortunate or if it's, or, or if it's inevitable <laughs> or both, right? You know, it, on the one hand, she's so good at it. And it's not just, you know, it's not just me that relies on her. Like lots of people go to her. Like it, she naturally takes that role with her all her family members and everyone you know it's uh, friends etc like she's so good at it you know she's our managing director she's like a, an organizational queen and so because she can take the lead with that it's quite easy i think with humans when someone takes the lead for the mm. other person to kind of fall back and then and let them take the lead right um so it happens with to, with, with everyone but naturally she's got a husband who's kind of right at the other end of the spectrum so, you know, in some ways, it's great because everything gets organised and, and done well. But on the other hand, if I'm trying to take the lead with certain things, I will naturally be nowhere near as good at it as her. And I will make little mistakes. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes they're big mistakes. I think that's when the problem is, you know, when it's a little mistake she understands and she is understanding of course you know um but it's when it's a big one like that for example the day of when you're literally heading to the airport and you don't have a passport you don't have the credit card or whatever um so yeah back to your question it it, it can be and 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 is intimidating and um and yeah it's it's that's why i'm i'm kind of looking to hack the system mm. i'm looking to kind of have this adhd coach help me a bit to, and be there not just a one-off here you go this is what you need to do i kind of get it i kind of know mm. what i need to do right i understand how to do these things it's just actually doing them which is yeah. difficult uh, i want to kind of ask you a question about how you work because something that i've always struggled with and, and when i was when i was employed and i had a team of people under me i'd have some of them were so efficient. So they'd have five or six key elements to the job. And they'd say to me, I spend two hours on that. I then go to two hours on that. Then I go to that. Then I go. And it doesn't matter what comes in. It doesn't matter what pops up. I ignore it until the allocated time. So if it's 
if it's go through my emails at 12 till 2, no matter what comes in between 9 and 12, I'm not going through those emails, no matter what. And they were rigid with it. And then I'd, then I'd work with other people that just reacted to every single thing as it came in because their mind went into overdrive. Oh, what if that's an email that's really bad? Or what if it's an email that's really good? Or what if it's a client that wants to cancel something? I've got to jump on it now. I've, all, I've tried to train myself over the last seven months to compartmentalize all of those different tasks that I do. And I'm, I'm definitely improving. But is that something that you struggle with because your mind's firing off so many different things at once? Yeah, 100%. Um, time management is one thing that is just very difficult. Understanding of time and how long things take. Um, yet weirdly, it's always, I'm always extremely optimistic rather than the opposite. <laughs> oh, I've got plenty of time to do that. That's fine. Let's push it back a bit further. Um, breaking things down into one thing I find the hardest is a big project. That's, that's very difficult for me taking on something that's, that's big and has different parts. You know, if I were to do something and it's like a three day project, for example, and have different parts, that is a very, that's a risk situation for me because I could just hyper focus on the part that I like doing, which is like making it look pretty, right? The design of these slides and just think, oh, I've still got plenty of time. It's all good. Oh yeah, there's all, there's only that. And, and just, and it, it, it can just go like very, very wrong because I'm spending way too long on the bit that I enjoy doing, you know, that my brain is kind of giving that reward to my, that dopamine hit to my brain. Um, and so like the way that I work, I mean, first of all, I'm just in a position where I play to my strengths and I've got a team that play to their strengths. And, and we've just, we've got, we've got so many processes and, and we know that me putting together something like when I used to do proposals by myself, there were, there were years that I'd be often like up till 4am, you know, during weekdays, a, a few, a few days a week. Like it was, I, I just thought it's because I was overworked and that's the, you know, running an agency, that's just agency life and it's tough. There's a little element of that, but a lot of it is just down to not having the process and, and also not really understanding it at that time, um, how to navigate my ADHD. And, and so now, you know, when we're creating a proposal, this is just an example, you know, we've got this set order of events, you know, there's a PPM, proposal planning meeting um, with the right people in it. I dictate, um, it's written down, then someone goes and puts the proposal together, you know, then, and at that time we set a scoping meeting that's plotted in the calendar, everything's plotted, you know, and I jump on with my strategist and we, we scope the, uh, the package, um, they go away, enter that into the proposal and then it comes back to me on a certain time and I have it plotted in my calendar um, you know one hour to finish off the proposal and it's just kind of I'm not getting caught in a in a rabbit hole because it's just finishing editing mm -hmm. tweaking you know just polishing basically and then jumping in and doing what I do best which is chatting right talking selling enthusiastically um, selling the the dream selling the package um, so we've created these processes whereby I'm playing to my strengths and 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 not my weaknesses and avoiding my weaknesses but but plotting is is plot plotting is um 
is crucial for me, like in the calendar. So plotting exactly what I do when. And if I do have to do a bigger project, let's say it's one of our rocks, which is like a side project that we do every quarter. Um, if I have a bigger project, now that I have that awareness and understanding, you know, I will sit down with Nitsan and say, can you help me? And she'll go, right, this takes 20 minutes. That's going to take five minutes. That's five minutes. Think, right, start with a five minute book. Boom, 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 boom. But she just, she plans it out. Um, and that's how Nitsan was uh, just, now I'm going to loop back to kind of uni days. The difference between me and Nitsan, um, polar opposites. So um, I would leave my essays till like, two days if not one day before the deadline <laughs> and then just drink a shitload of coffee stay up I found ways to I did I studied philosophy so the the good thing for me in my brain at least was that there aren't that many philosophical questions to tackle like it's all been done before so you can find essays online so I wouldn't read the books they told us to read I'd read essays that other people had written and go, okay, let me absorb quickly, learn it. Okay, let me take that theory and that essay and, and make my own. So, like I said, it's cut, cutting corners. Last minute, get a decent grade. Nitsan, however, other end of the spectrum, right from when she got that, the brief, she knew what she was doing every day for three months. She would go, first of all, to the professor and go, you know, get the idea to go check in with them and go, um, is this right? Is this Is this what I should be doing? Um, and then plan it out. And if she, and again, she was driven by anxiety at the time. Her anxiety was much worse, performance anxiety. If she was ill for one day, she'd get anxiety that she was missing that day. And, you know, no one else had even started by that point. Um, but that's why she got top, you know, top grades in the entire year. And then again and again and scholarships and things like that. So very, very different uh, kind of ends of the spectrum. But, but. What we've done is, you know, in, in, in our work life, at least, is built processes and structures that, yeah, that, that really work. And, I, and I'm very good at my job. You know, it's not that I'm just dead weight and they're trying to make me <laughs> just kind of, you know, fit me into a box and like, you know, it, it, I, you know, I'm very good at the things that I do and I'm very creative and I'm the visionary and it's a very important role. Um, Nitsan's the integrator. And if you read the, the EOS system, um, there's several books like Get a Grip and Traction. Um, there's storytelling books about um, it's a business management system. There's a visionary and there's an integrator. And, you know, even if most businesses, especially agencies, are run by people, whether they have ADHD or undiagnosed ADHD or not, they're usually more towards my my side of that spectrum, you know, and because you need that optimism, you need that creativity, you know, like, oodles of ideas like I wake up too early because I have an idea it's like I'm half dreaming like I have to write it on my Evernote because otherwise I forget about it um, and that that's very important for my role that's important for growth all of that but you also need someone to be able to implement that to the person at the end of that creative call to go last 10 minutes okay who's doing what when how long is that going to take let's plot it in the calendars because if you have an agency full of people just like me and I know plenty of agencies that are like that not much gets done. They have these great chats, enthusiasm, creativity, but then things don't get followed up with. Things don't get finished. Um, and not finishing things is definitely, a, in my experience, a trait of, 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 of having ADHD because you start something, you're all enthusiastic. Then when it gets to the finishing, 
that's not as much dopamine as starting something new, right? That other idea you suddenly have. So I think it's very easy to, I think even just start a business and not really see it through, not do the things that are needed for it to grow, unless you have an integrator type, whether it's a project manager or even just someone, a PA, someone checking in once a week, someone that can help to flesh out and implement and execute all of those amazing creative ideas that that we have in abundance what drew you two together because you you've kind of answered the first part of the next question because i was going to come on to nitsan um but because you are so different and i know they say opposites attract but obviously we're going back to uni so you've been together a long time what was it that that drew you that you two complete opposites to, together in that way yeah, I, you know what? I don't think we knew we were opposites when we met <laughs> in that way. There's, we've got loads of similarities as well. We So we didn't go to uni together. I felt like I, maybe I, um, it felt like when I was telling the story, we we're both at the same uni, but I met, I'm going to tell you the whole story now. I don't know, we're probably coming to the end, but <laughs> I left uni. I was at Nottingham Uni. I went to Australia afterwards to do the whole work travel thing find myself, whatever, get drunk and, you know, fruit pick and, and have experiences. I was there for a year um, and Nitz, then I met Nitsan and she's originally from Israel and she was uh, reluctantly um, in the Israeli army, which they have mm. to do, it's conscription. So she'd left, very common for Israelis to go traveling after, the, after their army experience. And then we met, but when we met, you know, that first moment, we were very similar in a number of ways, like banter wise, even though from different cultures, different parts of the world, but extremely similar in terms of our values and, you know, having wanting to have fun, just um, and, and just kind of banter. And yeah, you know, I don't think we were both thinking, right, I wasn't thinking she's going to organise my life. Um, and, you know, I was a little bit wild back then and maybe... <laughs> maybe maybe she maybe she found that attractive you know like maybe the explanation for that was having an ADHD brain yeah. and just like being very whimful but when you're kind of 22 and traveling and just a free spirit there's there's something charming about that I think um and only later I guess gradually I think you know, perhaps it, there's a certain extent that like I mentioned that the way I was drove her to be more of how she is now mm. like she was almost forced to be like that because she had to organize mm. you know and there's you know she just had to because we were on this journey as well like where you know we got married a year and a half later in cyprus because for visa visa reasons and love obviously but you know she couldn't move to england i couldn't move to israel there was we'd been together for a year and a half traveling we're like all right what now so there was a lot of logistics that needed to happen when we had no money we were on a shoestring budget it was just after the recession as well so our kind of australian dollars had been cut almost in half um and we were trying to figure out how to continue this relationship um and there were things that needed to happen like yeah dealing with passports and, and visas where you have to get like a folder of evidence uh, multiple times in order for her to you know, uh, for it for it to be seen as like a real marriage, a real relationship. And yeah, she had to organise all of that because I just wasn't great at it. And when I said I would do something, 
it would often lead to a situation like two weeks ago where I thought I had everything covered in good time, but I didn't. And it, it naturally someone with anxiety that kind of didn't help. It didn't help when situations like that happened. Whereas I'm very, I'm kind of a, oh shit, everything will be okay. You know, even when some, when the shit hits the fan, um, I'm quite positive. I can be quite positive. And maybe that's something that you just naturally gain with ADHD because it happens so often. Oh, mm. I lost my coat again, whatever. It's just a coat. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, you, you just have to, because otherwise you'd be in a, feeling pretty crappy about yourself a lot of the time um what's so interesting is that there's so many traits that uh, that you talk about with adhd that i resonate with but then there's others that are are, i like the the whole losing stuff and this is why my wife is convinced that i'm on the spectrum obviously we we understand autism more than we understand adhd because of my son jake um but i often i often see my brain sometimes as one fighting the other because there's so much of what you talk about that I resonate with which is why I'm exploring it in myself probably very much in the same way you did a couple of years back but then the whole losing stuff I'm so protective and possessive of my things to the point where I'm always checking that stuff's there but like I, I wouldn't even dream of losing a coat or leaving something somewhere like I'm overly obsessive with stuff like that which is the yeah. complete opposite of how you've lived your life yeah um so obviously you and Nitsan have known each other a long time um like you said got married a year and a half after being together am i right in saying then that you've never actually worked for someone else have you actually been employed i, I have yeah i've had a few jobs <laughs> in my time sweeping <laughs> um, grain in australia I was, um uh, no, I had had professional jobs. Not that that's not a professional job, but um, I when I went to Australia, I did face to face sales. Um, that was my first job, and actually, there was a lot of sales psychology that we were taught in the mornings um, that I found really interesting. It's a, a big part of, I guess. I then used that later in in the the written word. You know, copywriting arguably is sales on paper. Um, so I, I had jobs and then I, I was also when I was starting the business um, and freelancing, I was I was teaching I was an English language teacher. So I in on our big romantic journey, um, I I did a, a CELTA TEFL course in Bangkok um, and then I taught in Israel. Um, and then we came back to when we came to England, we managed to get over to England. So sort of three years later. Um, I I was teaching English in, in, in in England. So I was, I was, I was working. Yeah. So when I was kind of starting to freelance and do, I was doing lots of different things to be honest, (laughs) many different things, but including like uh, I had employers until like I was in a good enough position to say, right, freelancing slash the beginnings of an agency are, is bringing in enough revenue. Cause that was the time when Nitsan was studying. Mm -hmm. So she came to England. She was part of this thing called the olive tree program which is for palestinians and israelis to study together mm. um again a scholarship that she got and so she studied later so i was yeah uh to cut a long story short i i have been employed <laughs> a common theme with um a lot of the guests that we have on and 99 percent of them have been neurodiverse in one way or another is that they are business owners um 
obviously TCC has been going how many years? Seven? Officially since 2014, yeah. So we're right. a limited company. Prior to that, I was kind of building the root of it in a way yeah. and freelancing and learning about SEO and copywriting and also doing other things, launching other sites and, and probably spreading myself too thin at the time. When when did you reach the point, and it might have been at a very young age, where you kind of thought to yourself, I need to do my own thing. I, I need to, uh, whether it's from a, an ego perspective, because I know there's been a lot of that in myself, whether it's from a, I, I just can't be told what to do perspective, although Nitsan tells you what to do most of the time, but you didn't know that then. What, when was it that you said, I just have to do this, 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 this thing? It's hard to know because, yeah, it was, I mean, I think probably uh, literally that first year that, well, the year that I was in Israel, so I was 24, 25, um, I was already looking for things. I don't know that I said I have to do my own thing. Um, I think I come from an entrepreneurial family. My dad was a graphic designer, had his own studio in, in central London, and then computers came along and he couldn't do computers. So he got into sort of property development and stuff. So I, I, that that does influence you, you know, it does impact you. My older sister started a, a business, um, a destination management business and kind of stag and Hindus as well in Spain. Um, again, that kind of impacted me because she'd already... She'd already started that by the time I came back from this big travel expedition where I found a wife, came back with a wife. Um, and but I was also like, you know, even at uni, I was trying to make money, wheeling and dealing, set, you know, like just selling flyers to things. And I don't know, I, I, I think I was just entrepreneurial even from teenager, just little little bits and pieces of ways to kind of to make a bit of money here and there and and I think I just had it in me um partially and then you know when I was in in Israel I didn't have a work visa for a while I had to apply for it and that's when I took to these online courses learned about SEO and copywriting um and you know that's when I was I started teaching part-time but then I was just trying to pursue all these things online you know building WordPress websites around niche keywords pop art painting I'm, I also paint I do street art that's one of my hobbies and I was doing wow. I had a, I had a pop art painting business for a while at the beginning so I used to do like uh, people would send me photos of them and their, their their other half and I would quite quickly do like a pop art painting and again that was through my SEO knowledge as well so I'd get traffic to the site and that was running alongside the creative copywriter blog for a while so I was freelancing and so I don't know what it I don't know if it's like I thought oh I have to work for myself but shiny object syndrome is something that I always had so it's like opportunities right and that is a blessing and a curse because it makes you pursue opportunities but there was a time like I mentioned where I spreading myself way too thin seizing every opportunity and not focusing and you know at the beginnings of the agency um, I was kind of farming the workout to my friend Ella essentially like getting her to do everything and going right this is running let me start some other businesses with other people and it was pretty ridiculous there was a point where I, I was a co-founder of I think five different <laughs> businesses and it made no sense I didn't know that at the time I was young naive and my ADHD brain was just kind of taking lead um, and that shiny object syndrome was the problem um, but then I realized I matured. I learned from some good people in the agency community and understood, right, 
there's a growth potential for an agency it's actually like a really great business and you can get a lot from it and you can make good money from it as well and so focus on that that's what's working forget these other things focus 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 and then bring the right people in and then eventually 2017 um brought Nitsan in she wasn't planning to she was kind of disillusioned with the um the NGO world um and needed a change and I said look we need your help for a bit we we're lacking in the process department and then that's really when we started to grow Nitsan considers that the birth of TCC not 2014 but um <laughs> and it's, it's really I guess it's the birth of our like consistent growth yeah. you know uh, um because I needed a Nitsan I needed an integrator yeah I want to I want to round off because amazingly we've already been talking for an hour um that's gone we could so fast um we we need to do a part two I think um I want to round off with the creative copywriter because as we said it's been around for quite some time now in a nutshell what are you doing for the clients that you that you work with because I know there's some big names in there so what are you doing what what can people kind of take away from this about the creative copywriter I'll give you like the smallest nutshell that I could fit it into is strategy and words to expand on that this is my little spiel um we blend the science of data-driven content strategy and psychology with the art of creative copywriting basically to help brands get their words right at every step of the customer journey so really it's about driving revenue but using copy and content um, at all of the right touch points in the right way, the right messaging based on frameworks and methodologies that we've developed to push people down the funnel, make them buy from you, not make them, you know, persuade them to buy from you and persuade them to spend more and increase customer lifetime value in order to, to grow revenue, in order to, to scale your company. Um, and we do work with a lot of big, big brands. I'll do some name dropping Adidas, Hyundai, Mercedes Benz, Panasonic, TikTok, Thomson Reuters. Um, but you know, our bread and butter really is kind of helping startups and scale-ups on that growth journey, like mm-hmm. using the smart data-driven content marketing and copy to, to, to grow, to grow their business. Because, you know, it's all the cool thing about digital is that it is trackable. You know, you can, you can grow predictable revenue if you do things right and you set things up in the right way and you track and you're strategic and you're taking this outside in approach, you know, using data, not just your assumptions to make really smart marketing decisions. Mm-hmm. Conrad, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, it's, been, and I, it's gone from day to night in the whole it's gone, so can, long. Can yeah. you believe it? Anyone watching this on YouTube right now is going to be thinking, why is he in darkness? <laughs> I see um, the sun coming up. I, li- through that. <laughs> I literally started with just about enough light. The trouble is in this office that the spotlights are horrendous. They just cast a massive shadow over your face. That light is this massive screen with a big white thing on it that's giving me my only light on this thing. But I think I think we're fine. We've just about got away with it. You can still see the Christmas jumper. Um, I actually think a lot of people listening to this will take so much from it because I certainly have in terms of just the way that you've navigated life, the, the things that you did when you were young, the, the the stuff you've talked about around ADHD and and your version of it, because there's lots of versions of it. Yeah. And I think anyone listening to this or watching that questions their own behaviours, 
is going to take a hell of a lot from this. So I think it's been a, a hugely successful hour, mate. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. And yeah, it, I talk a lot about content strategy and copywriting on these things. So it is quite refreshing to dig into something so personal. Um, so if it's been useful and or entertaining to anyone out there, then <laughs> my job here is done. <laughs> Definitely been entertaining. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate.